Welcome back to part two of my healing journey. I'm Dr. Jasmine, and I'm so excited that you decided to join me today. If you missed part one, run it back on YouTube or anywhere you listen to the Girl Go Global podcast. And just so you know, I'm not doing the interviewing today. I have my girl, Miss Tiffany Renee from The Muse and The Messenger here to help me unpack my story. So let's jump right back into the conversation. And then one day, I just got in the mirror and said, it's time, to, it's time to cut it. And you chose your heart. And so I want to just pause there for just a second mm-hmm. um, because there are some things, because cancer is just running amok, right, around mm-hmm. the world. And yeah, literally. So we, we all hear stories and we, we see stories. Uh, you are the type of person who likes to choose their heart. And when I meet, when I, what I mean when I say that is, you know there's a heart coming, right? Mm-hmm. And you can choose it up front or you can wait for it to randomly hit. And with your hair was one of the one of the times you chose your heart. Yeah. You were talking about that. That was the main thing. Like of all the other things that could have possibly <laughs> gone on, the one that you were concerned with was the hair. You were like, I got this. Like, we gonna beat this. All right, cool, we're gonna beat it. But what about my hair? <laughs> and, you know, and I remember as a black woman, you can't just be like, girl, it's hair. You can't say that. You have well, to like, you know, it'll grow back. I mean, because you're thriving right now with it. But I'm just saying there was a time during this. And so you chose your heart and yeah. you decided once you started getting the signs that it was going to happen. Yeah. You said, OK, I'm going to take this matter into my own hands. Yeah. And you decided I'm going to cut my hair off now. So that way I chose to do it as opposed to it happening to me. Yeah. So funny thing is, I, I know some people like to go off and cut their hair before they start treatment because they know it's going to fall out. Hmm. Um, but for me, I don't know what I was kind of thinking, but from everything I know about my personality, it was like, all right, I'm taking these supplements. <laughs> I'm praying. I'm fasting. It's like, we want to see if the hair actually come out. Let's just wait and see. Let's just wait and see. Let's just wait and see what the end going to be. Because God can do anything. Listen, but it it stayed for a really long time. It it stayed because I was, every time you called, I remember that was the thing that I was thinking about. Like, is she about to tell me her hair? (laughs) Because that's the part I was worried. Like, we needed to be there if her hair started coming out. Like, we needed to be physically right there next to her. No, I did not take. I know people say they felt liberty. They want to take pictures with their that, hair guard. That that's, not that what, that's not how that's you not, handled it. I got lumps in my head. Like, I, no, I got lumps in my head. <laughs> my hair is you not, don't have a smooth my round My hair is not smooth round. It's not no bowling ball. You know, it's not smooth. So I'm like, that ain't cute. Like, I don't find that cute. Like, oh I'm goodness. not going to just put my makeup on and put my hair. That's not me. Okay? Good Kudos to anybody that is. I got lumps in my head. Now right? I got lumps in my head. <laughs> So, oh so for goodness. me, just the thought of that was just like that's not liberating to me. Does that make sense for it's you? Not yeah, I get in a it. Bad way. It liberates a lot of people. It's, it was not liberating to me. Yeah. And so, um, like I said, being in a pandemic, I didn't have to necessarily go find a wig. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm home, so I would have bought some scarves, bought some kind of turban, kind of hats that I would wear. And if people look on some of the interviews about my book, when I was going through chemo, I was doing interviews, all kinds of things. I would have my little hats on, my earrings, you know, nobody knew, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> people go back into some of the content that I even taped or was in different 
things, but you know, that wasn't liberating for me, but chemo is not a game, you know? I remember the first time I saw you and of course we are extra and we're hugging and we acting like Nettie oh, and Seely. Oh yeah, Seeley. we were in Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. We acting like Nettie and Seely <laughs> and <laughs> clapping our hands. Mm -hmm. And I looked down at your hands. And you was like, oh, don't worry about it. That's just what chemo do. Mm -hmm. I got in my car and cried the whole way home. Oh, I, just <laughs> I cried the whole yeah. way home because I had not realized how much this had. You were so good at being you no matter what. Yeah. And you were so, I remember it took you a long time for me to, sh for you to show me your head because you kept talking about the lump. Oh yeah, I did. I think I showed you And then you finally, the it was like, we were on like a video chat and you were like, I'm like, Jack, just take the turban off so I can see your head. It's me, you know. And you took it. I'm like, it's not that bad. you like, you don't see this long. <laughs> right. But, but when I saw you in person, so I was prepared for the eyebrows. I was prepared for the hair. I held your hands and looked down and your fingernails were like dark. Yeah. And you were someone who kept her nails yeah. <laughs> together. Okay. Yeah. And so Regular I point. didn't say it and you didn't even, you like, you again, chose your heart. Mm -hmm. You said it for me. You were like, oh, this is what chemo do. Don't worry about it. Give me your hands. Your nails are bad. Yeah. Your nails are bad. Yeah. And I noticed that that's the first thing I did when you walked in was look for your fingernails. Oh, oh wow. Because. I didn't even know that. I know you didn't know that. And I couldn't tell that to you. What am I going to tell know, my friend that's going through all of this that, let me see your nails. But yeah. that's how I knew how drastic. Yeah. It was because you were like, Timidator, putting poison in me. <laughs> putting poison in me. And I'm like, I know, Jazz, do you guys say it like that? Like, you know, and you just, you, you did it. Yeah, that yeah. was one of the side effects from the first um, treatment. So, like I said, it was four high dose treatments. This is, they throw, basically throwing everything at you to kitchen, kitchen sink when you have diagnosis from triple negative. And so that was one of the side effects. My nails, my toenails basically all turned black. Even one of my toes, I was clipping my toenails and it almost came off. I said, oh, let me stop. No. <laughs> Not, oh, let me stop. Oh, oh let me stop. And so um, I was like, oh my, ooh, it's coming up. You know, I didn't know that that was going to happen. I'm just, you know, clipping my toenails. So yeah, Sensi very sensitive, yeah. painful, you know, lots of side effects. I was in a wheelchair. Yeah, I remember you were tired. You I could not more. walk. I would have to get help going to the bathroom. I could not eat certain things, vomiting. And so my husband goes from being my husband newlywed to, you know, wiping up vomit off the bedroom floor. Mm. You know, there were some tough days that we had throughout the time, even the diagnosis. And I remember we were, I was like, I was laying down after one of the surgeries, had a lot of surgeries test uh testing my lymph nodes and all kinds of things even before treatment and um i didn't see my husband get very emotional much but one time and i'm sure that he might have had his own moments certainly but you know i guess being strong for me he didn't show it to me but we just laid in the room and kind of just cried and went to sleep enough said yeah, very tough days, you know, when um, my husband would, I knew that 
I really, for me, it was more along the lines of when I was go through treatments, I strategically, I was like working all throughout chemo. I know. I was working. Well, we were home. I know, so but that, that didn't excuse it. But I would take... <laughs> that I didn't excuse it. I would take off from work on my treatment days and then a few days after. Especially when I was going to those high-dose treatments, I would be out of it. And so I would take off, I guess, three days every other week. And then by the time... It was like, after you get your energy back up, there you got to go again into this treatment. And so, you know, I would be off and then I would be back working online... Um, but I did tell my supervisor at the time and a few, just a couple of my coworkers because I was going to be out a lot and we were working on a big project for work. And so they were always supportive when I was going through like brain fog and they could tell we on the, the calls and the video calls and I would be not on camera because I'm not the same person I left when we left in 2019, 2020. So they would jump in. And answer questions for me. Mm. Or I ask, can you, can you lead this meeting? And they would lead the meeting for me. Mm -hmm. You know, so my, some of my coworkers that I expressed to, they were very, very supportive. But, you know, my husband went to every appointment. He never missed a treatment. He, he couldn't go into the treatments with me at first because it was COVID. So I was in there by myself. So he, every, he would have... Um, set up a Zoom call with my family. By this time, by the time I started some of my treatments, I had started sharing with my immediate aunts and uncles. Mm -hmm. And they would be on a Zoom call. And I had my laptop up. Because chemo treatment day for me, I'm there all day. Because mm -hmm. I'm getting blood work to see if I can take the treatment and all of that. So I packed my own lunch, you know. We know you brought your own food. You know? <laughs> We I know you juice. brought your own food and where was your juice? Because we know you had that too. I'm having like a Zoom party with my family because they can't come in. Yeah. But it's so funny. My husband, um, he couldn't come up. The, you know, the one person in the hospital. Yeah. Some kind of way, every every treatment, he was he up found there. A way. He found a way to he come up there. He found a way. Leave it to a black man he, to find a way. He did not let me go up to that office by myself. Yeah. That's, that's the support. Yeah. And so like treatment. So we know treatment consisted of chemo, aggressively. Mm -hmm. A, an aggressive form of chemo and you did that and you had 16 treatments of that and then it went into surgery yeah and then how many surgeries did you have to have oh my god i can't even count at this point how many surgeries i had um i had the center no biopsy before i had treatment to see did the cancer spread to my lymph node right that was a big concern that was a big concern that would determine how many treatments i need and right it had spread at stage 1B at the time, uh, very small percentage. Right. Milliscopic, if that is the, 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 is that the right word? word. I don't know, but tiny, Listen, tiny, Listen, we used to be in the worst. We're going to make up our own I'm words this time. I'm not a We're making up our own words this time. But you, basically, it's so small that you need to see it under a microscope. Right. And so because of that small amount, I, that's why I needed to go through all those treatments. Right. And so from there, after the surgery, because the, I guess the treatment plan for triple negative is not surgery first. It is treatment, the chemotherapy, then surgery. Right. And so while I was in chemo, I think the, the lump, the tumor shrunk after my fourth treatment. 
But you still had but, to. But I, I remember you were like, I don't even understand why I got to keep taking all these treatments because it's going. it's going already. And I'm like, girl, if you don't do what they said, do and stop playing with us. Like, yeah. And I remember that. And then, um, and then, so we, we go through all of that. Then the surgery. Then the surgery. Yeah. Okay. But it didn't stop with just that surgery. Yeah. There were subsequent surgeries after that. Um, so let's talk about that. Like there was, you tell me. Yeah. So I guess after a month after chemo ended, they gave, they gave me a month to kind of just recover a little bit, just to kind of get my strength back. Um, so that month, my husband drove me all the way to Florida to get some sun. Shout out to a good <laughs> he drove, we, um, And by the way, he hadn't even told his family. Mm. He did not tell anybody that I had ever been diagnosed. And I kept asking him, you sure you don't want to send to your family? He said, no. So he know his family better than I do. And he know, he said he wanted some normalcy about his engagement. He needed something to be a little bit normal because nothing was normal. Right. So he decided when I, I guess went for him and I, I'm just speaking for him when he talked to his brothers or talked to his mom or whomever or his dad, he didn't want it to be, oh, is jazz okay? Or this somberness. He wanted to have some moments of laughter and, you know, just moments be of being and be themselves without, mm -hmm. you know, feeling like they had to, you know, be super overly emotional or sensitive about what we were going through. Yeah. And so he drove me all the way to Florida. We spent about a month there. And on the road, um, we didn't drive straight from Maryland. We stopped, I think, maybe in South Carolina, stayed overnight, enjoyed the rest of the way. But um, I could not drive. Like I said, I was in a wheelchair. My Child, joints, you wasn't going to drive even if you my could. My joints okay. were um, aching. <laughs> I could not really walk a lot, you know. But on the road, he said, okay, I'm going to call my family. Mm. And so we called and we shared they were kind of solid on the phone for a minute and what do you say to that <laughs> like because i guess you know when me coming into the home coming in around the family okay you're gonna see my hair's gone i look different um i've lost at that point lost some weight um i'm not walking normally it's very very slow need help and so you know they needed to know at that point basically <laughs> ma'am don't ever cold show up to my house and, and tell me you know yeah. So they were obviously shocked, obviously had some emotion around it, but, you know, they jumped right in to support us, you know, from the moment that they did find out. And so I went and recovered in Florida, just enjoying the sun. He would take me to the beach and I have to like shout out to my husband because even while going through all those months of treatment, because I started the chemo in December, I did not finish until April the 21st. I know all these dates, right? And, um... I finished and when I would have treatment, he said, okay, we're going to get out this house. We're locked in the house. We can't go anywhere. He would take me to a hotel, spend a weekend, mm -hmm. take me to some hotel. And by, at that time, the hotels were super inexpensive. No one's traveling. Right. So we're renting suites yeah. <laughs> and we're just at a place overlooking the water or a nice view. I can't do anything. Literally. All I can do is just lay in a bed because I'm still recovering from these treatments. He would take me away from the week for the weekend and then we'd just go back home. Reminding you that life is out there to be lived. And just getting out of the house. And so, you know, when we got to Florida, he'll take me to the beach. We just enjoyed a day there. Just getting out thinking, 
just enjoying each other's company. So after when I got home, I think my first surgery, my first lumpectomy was in June because I finished in April and I had told him I don't want to have surgery before my birthday. So my birthday is May 27th. And so I had my first surgery early June. Mm -hmm. And so the idea was for them to they put a clip where the tumor was, that same clip from when they did the biopsy all those months ago. Mm -hmm. And so basically they had to go in and find the clip. And so my um, surgeon um, had to send me off to get a guided MRI biopsy to make sure that the mm -hmm. clip was still there. And that was the, one of the most painful things I've ever experienced in my life. And then basically when I had the surgery, they removed it and did not find any residual cancer. But what they did find was what they call DCIS. Mm -hmm. And I, the best way I can explain it is, I guess what they might call precancerous cells. Right. It's not quite cancer. Um, it's that in between could that possibly maybe possibly be cancer yeah. over time. It's something in that in that area of the brain. It could evolve could to evolve that. into that. Right. And so their goal when they are doing those surgery is to get what they call clean lines. Because my original treatment plan was to have chemo, surgery, and then radiation. Right. And so, so we had the surgery and I, they did not get those clean lines. They found that what they call that DCIS. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ugh, I'm getting this. Now I'm getting education on what that is. And, you know, it's so important when you're going to all those meetings to record those sessions with your doctor so you can understand what they are saying. These are the new terms, big words. So you can go home and kind of take in what they're saying because they're giving you a lot of information at once. A and lot so, of research was uh, in it. You was looking <laughs> things up, educating yourself yeah, for sure. so that you can be an advocate for yourself. You need to Help, advocate for yeah, yourself. Hello. So um, shout out to you. Most people just stop and leave it in the hands of the doctors. You cannot do that. You have to participate. Mm -hmm. You know, for sure. you have to participate in this process. Every step of you the way. You can't time out. I'm talking with my, my, my compound pharmacist every step of the way. I'm keeping my my spiritual advisors, our pastors that we are consulting with, my mom, she's an intercessor. My sisters, you know, one of my sisters, she, she, she in her room, and when you go in her bedroom, she got a sign that say praying now on the door, don't come in. <laughs> <laughs> so she, I cut, you know, go over to the house and she got praying. She ended up praying, you no, know, and, and don't not knock even on the you door. could bother her. Okay. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I'm just keeping, so, cause our thing is, like I said, it was about sharing it with people who I knew had a, a, a eater God, who I knew was going to be leaning into prayer for me. And so every step of the way, I'm, t I'm updating people. Okay, this is the stage I'm you in now. You should send us little I would text send messages. Everybody who I told who I, I would send text messages. And I would mm -hmm. say, okay, I'm going into surgery. This is now what we're praying for. We're praying for clean lines. This is what we're praying for. And this is what the doctor said now. And so because it's so important, you know, as Christians, you know, to know how to pray. Don't just, you know, something how to choose your weapon, how to choose your weapon, how to pray, to know how to fight the enemy. Like literally you need to know why you're being attacked. Yeah. You know, so it was, that was, that was like the whole process. And so they didn't get those clean lines that first time. And so I said, okay, I want to go back in. Cause I know I, I'm, in my mind is God said, mm -hmm. right. And I don't want to lose my breasts to be honest. 
Right. You know, that, that's that's also in the back of my mind. As a female, do I want to lose my you breasts? literally <laughs> said to me, I mean, I didn't have a lot to start out with. But I want what I got. <laughs> I want what I got. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember, I was sitting on the phone it's, like, I, I lasted girl, 40 years with it. And I you still was want like, it. <laughs> when you said, it, it was the, but I want what I got thing. I'm like, girl, if we got to make you some new ones, that's yeah. what we're going to do. And so... You're saying all this, so that was just to remove the cancer, yeah, right? The, yeah, the residual. So, any res, res, they wanted to basically they're going to see if the chemo did its job, right? So that was just the first part because mm-hmm. people think that oh, once you get the cancer, oh, it's up from there, but that's not the case because the recovery is the real work. Mm-hmm. Right. The recovery is the real, real work because now you are faced with decisions like. I don't. I didn't have these clean lines, so we had to go back in. What we're going to do next? That's when the conversation of uh, mastectomy comes yes, into play, that's right? Whole and, other thing. And then, do we get a single one? I don't know what the single one's called, but or do we get double, a, a, a double or a single? Or bi- right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that was. So then recovery starts. Okay. Yeah. So. But recovery is not the, oh, I'm gaining my strength. I'm feeling better. It's another surgery. It's another surgery. It's. You know, I'm recovering from chemo, but I still need to go through these surgeries and recover from that. Exactly. That and so sense. that was for a lot of women, rightfully so, that is a heavy conversation and sure. a hard decision. Sure. So I remember you were being posed with the question, do you want a single or a double? Mm-hmm. And we literally were going through the pros and the cons of should you do both? Yeah. At first, I had like pat myself up, like I'm about to get me some a free boob. Job. I was like, you getting free, you getting free perkies. You can walk around like, like you're a teenager. Let's I'm like, I'm in the, I'm in the game. Like I'm like, oof, I'm about to get me some, you know, cha chas or something. You know, I don't know, but like, I was like, I, I had like the, I literally like, can we discuss up. taking some from your stomach too? Because remember, you, yeah, they, they, they that's what that's the like, option. They got different. I'm like, you get a tummy tuck and a boob lift. So I don't know. it well, depends you know. on what you get. Right. So. Because the, the, what we all need to know is that a mastectomy is not a breast implant or a breast, what they call augmentation. Right. Right. It's a to- whole different ball game. They are taking tissue out of your chest, out of the sides of your arm. They're not just going to plop it up in an implant. Right. Right. But they're just like taking all this tissue out. Right. But um, so I didn't get those clean lines the second time. I said, oh, God. I'm praying. I felt like, Lord, you said I'm going, I'm praying. Like what I didn't say is every morning I'm up with my prayer shawl in my living room praying. Hmm. And I'm like, God, this is not what I want. So also having to come to the conclusion, like this deep disappointment, that second time they did the re-excision to go in to see if they can get that clean lines. That was a deep disappointment there mm. in my heart and i'm like oh my goodness when you know when you it's start like take praying the wind out you me. said god those god you said prayers that they hit different the god yeah. you said prayers you said i'm healed you said this lord so I why doesn't this, this look like what why, you said yeah and this and i and I, I guess i had to get out of myself you know i had to get out of what i wanted you know or how what you thought it was supposed to, to look, look like. like yeah mm-hmm. You know, that's like, that's another battle of the mind, if you will, you know? 
So that's one of the hardest ones when you're disappointed because it don't look like deep what... disappointment. That was, I have to say, I think that's one of the few times during this journey where I felt like a really deep disappointment mm. because I believe God would give me the desire of my heart in that way. Cause I didn't want to lose my breasts. Right. So that was tough. It took me, a, you know, we had, again, my husband is one that encouraged me. Let's get a second opinion. Right. Let's get a third opinion. <clears throat> Maybe we don't have the right surgeon operating. You know, why aren't they getting the clean line? Maybe they're doing it too fast. Yeah. You know, so we even had, uh, we went, we sought out two different surgeons to see what they thought. Right. Just to consult. Like you don't have to just get one opinion. And you, we drove all the way to Frederick, Maryland, that. about 40 minutes. You exercised that multiple times during this journey. Yeah. You would get second, third, and fourth opinions um, just to make sure that who you were with was who you were su exactly. supposed to be with. And um, I commend you on that because that part alone is exhausting. Yeah. That Just is exhausting. Telling um, your story over and over again. Rehearsing it. Like, I know, like, um, in therapy, the therapist always tells you, like, it's something that bad that has happened. Don't rehearse it. Don't stop telling it over and over again. Your body has to literally live through that moment again. You have to remember what you felt like, what you were wearing, what you were doing, wh who said what and what happened. And, but you had to, yeah. to rehearse it. Um, and, I mean, thank God we got to someone who you were comfortable with yeah. and you also got to a place where, um, come with way, come with May yeah, as well with, as well with my yeah, soul. I'm so. just really an advocate for being your own advocate. But after those opinions, most of the doctors were saying different. Some doctors gave me different thoughts on what should be, what should not be. But at the end of the day, we decided, I decided to have the bilateral mastectomy on the left side. Right. Um, and I did not have the, we call it a deep flap, where they take tissue from your, your belly and put it in your breast. I have a breast implant and they were able to do what they call nipple sparing surgery. So I was able to preserve my nipple. Okay. So when they go in for the surgery, when you, when you're, they test behind the nipple to make sure there was no cancer or anything no behind residual. the nipple. No residual. Mm -hmm. They make sure because they don't want to spare the nipple if, you know, later on down the line something may happen. So they gave the all clear. And because, you know, like I said, I didn't start out with much in the first place. Damn. They were <laughs> able to preserve um, my nipple. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting. And I know <laughs> it kind of operates but I don't necessarily feel yeah. what's happening, you know, if that makes sense. Because, it's, like I said, it's not a breast augmentation. So some of those same sensation, sensations and feeling that you have, um, I don't have. Now, will you ever, because I know you can get lumpectomies, like I've had one. Um, mm -hmm. And you, and then I... I was being vain, call it what you like. I got my other one augmented mm -hmm. to match because I wanted them to at least look like sisters. Mm -hmm. um, but um, at first I didn't have any, but now 
two, three years later, I'm starting to feel sensation again. Will yeah. that happen for you? Well, you know, the mastectomy, what I, everything I've learned, whatever thing I've been told, they basically taking all that tissue and all of those cells and things out. So you have to, kind of, the stuff of those nerves and things have to grow back. I do have some feeling mm-hmm. that I can feel certain things, especially around the outer part mm-hmm. of the breast. Um, and that's usually but, the first to come back. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But I don't know, you know, God can do anything. Right. So God, God you said, like, <laughs> right. God, you said, God, you listen, I, I believe God. So right. I believe that God can grow a new, you can grow limbs. That's right. what the word says. So the Bible, that God's still doing miracles and I, I can be a candidate. Okay. Yeah. So, and I'm yes, willing to tell you, I, I do qualify. Yeah. So, um, nonetheless, I had the mastectomy. I opted to have the implant placed. Mm-hmm versus having the t- my own tissue place because for us remember I told you we still want a family plan right <laughs> we already started that process and so I said well you know what since they kind of come to the territory I have to have you know you don't leave breast implants in forever they had to be swapped out after so many years when we do are blessed to have a child I said well after I you know give birth part of mommy makeover. that could be a part of the mommy makeover <laughs> to take that anything I love that the I, foresight I <laughs> love the foresight I can't, you know lose myself to have take that excess tissue and use it to you create. know replenish and cre- recreate reconstruct the breast in the way that it should be um Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you are sitting here mm-hmm. on this couch with me now after all of that. Yeah. Um, we've talked about that when you were diagnosed. We talked about reactions. We talked about the experience. We talked about the treatment plan. We talked about the surgeries, the chemo. We talked about the recovery that doesn't really feel like recovery, mm-hmm. but nonetheless it is. Mm-hmm. How do you process it when you look back at the journey and takeaway line, you know, we love a good takeaway. What would be your top three takeaway regarding this journey? I guess my top three takeaways would be to be your own advocate for one. You know, I believe in now that it's so important that you understand your own body in a way that you can advocate for yourself because there are too many tragic stories where um, many people, not just women, have walked away from a doctor's office because of a opinion or a lab result. I don't know. They just walked away and did not take the, to go the extra mile right. to confirm. Right. And then it turned out to something tragic happens later. Yeah. Um, the second thing it would be the, the greatest takeaway is I have to say leaning into my relationship with the Lord in ways that gave me the comfort in knowing that everything was going to be okay. That type it, of trust that teaches you how to rest. Yeah. It's more so like that type of trust that every step of the way I can't do it without God mm-hmm. else. I'm not going to make it. Yeah. You know, every step of the way, I can't go without stopping and get clarity from the Lord about this step. That's one of the things that this has taught me if I never knew it before. And I'm sure that I did, but it just taught me in a new way. 
that at every stage I literally needed God to just give me a new answer because the answer he gave me months ago may not have been what I need to do now. Right. So that was one, one of the other takeaways. And I, I don't necessarily regret not sharing certain things with people. Mm hmm. And it's not that I felt like people wouldn't be supportive or whatever the case may be. It is that I wanted to keep it contained until I could understand how to control it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And so I'm not being ashamed of my decision to do that. And I'm not going to feel bad. So it's like, trust what you need in that moment. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, trust what you need to do and, and make the best decision for yourself, for your own self care, for your own mental health. Because I know now, you know, it's just nothing that I regret. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And your one liner, what, what is it um, that you want people or that you want to get across to people by sharing a story? Give it to me in a one liner. Oh, you know, no. we love one liners. <laughs> oh my goodness. I keep hearing God did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh Shut my goodness. I hadn't thought it. And I, you know, I'm always asking people these types of questions yeah. and I hadn't even thought of it, but I guess I would have to just say, I believe the God who sees, knows, and cares for me. There's no, time and, and moment that I didn't know that God was wasn't concerned about me from the moment that I shared with various friends from the moment that um the like I knew God was on my side when even going back to my book when he gave me a deadline to write mm -hmm. that let me know that I was gonna come out on the other side yeah right yeah, yeah, yeah. um it let me know that I was gonna come out on the side when someone a uh, woman of God calls me to say God has assigned me to your case yeah you see that yeah that let me know even what I didn't share earlier I had a dream a nightmare actually months before I got diagnosed where I saw I guess what you might say a demonic uh person in my dream who walked up to me and grabbed my left breast and I looked down in the dream and I didn't have a blouse on and I covered myself up Mm. In the shower before during the pandemic, when I was growing my hair, doing all kind of aloe treatments and all that kind of thing, my hair was down my back. I said, Oh, I learned how to grow my hair in the pandemic. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> all the way down my back, right? Oh gosh. I heard the Lord say cancer. Mm. And I would be in the prayer rebuking it for my family, my friends, and I didn't know that the Lord was speaking to me. Mm. So when I look back at that moment, I had to trust that God who sees me, who knows me and cares about me in ways that I might not have understood it had not, not gone through this experience. Yeah. So what I'm saying is when I hear God, when I have a dream, when I have a moment, an encounter with what I like to call the divine, I need to trust that mm -hmm. because I know that God sees, knows, and he cares. Ashe. I'm here for all of that. <laughs> I'm going to adopt that and subscribe to it. And he has shown up and manifested himself in so many ways that are indescribable. And I'm grateful to have that relationship. And with that, 
I think that the story has been told. Mm. You have released it. Um, and you can go back to being a storyteller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and get, and get uh, out the hot seat. Um, yeah. But know this, you are more than a cancer survivor. You are a thriver. Thriver. You are a thriver. In the midst of fighting maybe one of the biggest battles in your life, you wrote a book. You birthed a business. Mm, how about that? <laughs> you created a podcast. Oh, girl, go global. <laughs> and no one knew any of the background. Yeah. If that's not hiding you while you go through, I <laughs> don't know what is. Yeah, I sh literally shipped out my first uh, set of books the f after my first um, chemo treatment. Wow. So yep. speaking of your first book, <laughs> you've chronicled your journey with surviving singleness through um, heart rhythms. I didn't realize it was right there. Mm -hmm. Heart rhythms. Um, will you do the same for this journey? We'll see. I have some ideas. And it's so funny. Um, it's so funny that we were talking. You asked that question and we were kind of part of our conversation. We talked about how kind of before we get somewhere, we know. Yeah. And the Lord had given me a, a book title so many years ago. And I think um, it's going to be very applicable to when he does lead me to tell more about my story. Uh, because my story is still being written. But I do have a book idea that I think will, this story will be a part of it, one of many. But um, yeah, I, I think I might. But that's not my focus right now. I'm still recovering. I'm still getting my strength back after having finished chemo in 2021. I'm still have some residual effects that I'm dealing with. Um, we are looking toward family planning. Um, I need a niece or a nephew. So it is. I'm sorry, a nephew, to be clear. <laughs> the dream said so. Oh, hello. <laughs> so it is it's, 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 it's in the works, but I'm grateful to God that I'm getting back to some level of normalcy. I used to work out pretty actively three or four times a you week. You found a new love. I was boxing. I've started playing tennis. Your new love. <laughs> my new love. <laughs> um, so I've started just doing some new things. I started the podcast because in my way, uh, Girl Go Global, more so because I wanted to find a way to point people back to God because I mm -hmm. want people to know the, the same God I know, the, the God who knows me, and who sees me, this. and carries me. So yeah. I want to point people back to Christ. And so that's what I'm doing with uh, those ventures that I'm doing through my devotionals that I release regularly and podcasting and other things that I look to do in the future. But even if I don't even, <laughs> you know, do it in that way, my goal, my life, my mission now is to point people back to Christ because that is what we're supposed to do as ambassadors of Christ. Mm -hmm. So give it to us one more time. The God that what? I trust and I believe the God that sees me, that knows me and cares about me. And cares about us. Us. And How cares about, about you. <laughs> oh, thank, you. thank you, girl. <laughs> I love you. I love you too. Hey guys, I hope you've enjoyed my story and my testimony. I can't say that it's been easy to tell my story in this way, but I hope you're able to glean a little something from me to help you with your personal triumphs and struggles. And by the way, I'd love to learn more about what you think or for you to tell me about a time when you walk with God through a healing journey.
But that's all for now. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.